Coffee House Shots is sponsored by NatWest, the bank that's helping small businesses build back better and greener. The transition to net zero could create 130,000 new jobs for small and medium-sized businesses. That's why NatWest is aiming to lend $100 billion in sustainable financing by 2025. Find out more about climate support for businesses at natwest.com slash climate. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Cindy Yu and I'm joined by Kate Andrews and Isabel Hardman. So it seems that corruption scandals are a bit like buses. When they come, they come a few at a time. Now, Isabel, after yesterday's torrid day for the Prime Minister, what some people are calling the worst day in his premiership so far, another thing has happened today, which is the curtain scandal, curtain gate, which is coming back from earlier in the year. Can you explain what's a new development today? Yes, so many gates. This is the ongoing row about the Prime Minister's flat refurbishment. The Conservative Party has been fined £17,800 by the Electoral Commission for failing to accurately report a donation that paid for this refurbishment. So it's quite complicated, but I will talk you through it as simply as I possibly can. The allegation now is that Boris Johnson told Lord Guide, his standards advisor, that he did not know who had paid for the refurbishment earlier this year. The problem is, is that the Electoral Commission investigation appears to contradict that. So he told Lord Guide in May that he did not know who was behind the flat refurbishment until February 2021. But the Electoral Commission today says that in November 2020, Boris Johnson sent a WhatsApp message to Lord Brownlow asking for more money for the number 11, which is his flat, the number 11 flat refurbishment. And the timeline here is that then on the 30th of November, Lord Brownlow confirmed to a senior party official his intention to cover the further refurbishment costs personally. Unsurprisingly, Labour has jumped all over this and has written to the Parliamentary Standards Commissioner. And I apologise that everyone in this story appears to have a very similar job title. This is the Parliamentary Standards Commissioner, Catherine Stone, who Boris Johnson has already fallen foul of on uh, his entries in the Register of Members' Interests. Labour are calling for her to investigate whether he has broken the ministerial code and rules for MPs' standards as well. This is a quote from Angela Rayner. She said, What is most concerning for me is the Prime Minister has lied to his own independent advisor who found that there was no misconduct because he was given false information. So it would, in effect, be reigniting a row that Boris Johnson thought had largely gone away over his Downing Street flat, just as there is an ongoing row over parties in Downing Street as well. There's a huge amount of political trouble over just two buildings, really, in the same street, number 11 and number 10 Downing Street. Now, Kate, let's look at the other side of that, which is the COVID backlash to Plan B that we talked about on the podcast yesterday, but has been growing in the last 24 hours. Can you tell us what the party is doing on that front? 
So on the Spectator website, you're, you're able to view a list of Boris Johnson's backbenchers who have come out either quite an angry way or in a relatively soft way and said in some capacity, I simply can't support the Plan B measures you're bringing in. A lot of this focus is on the vaccine passports, the most controversial part of Plan B, in which the general feedback from notable 2019 intake like DeHenna Davison, then you have the 2015-er, William Ragg, who actually shouted out resign at Sajid Javid in the Commons yesterday when he was talking about the introduction of vaccine passports. So you have MPs from different takes who are in different ways expressing their frustration. Some of them are a bit more tame. Some of them are shouting in the commons. But the general message is that something that really goes against their understanding of liberty is being ushered in. It's controversial and it's happening without any evidence. I think the extent to which these measures are being brought in so quickly with quite dubious timing of the announcements, which I know we've discussed a lot on Coffee House, has raised a lot of red flags because as well as the reasons for why they're doing Plan B now remain sort of under lock and key, the evidence for doing it is also missing. Chris Woody's graphs did not add up with the rhetoric of emergency and we must do something now in the press conference yesterday. And the problem for the prime minister is that curtain gate, wallpaper gate, party gate, all the gates, (laughs) the floodgates are open. And it all leads back to this narrative that he either can't be trusted or he has absolutely no idea what's going on. It's not obvious which one's better. It's possible the latter's worse because for Boris Johnson, he's always gotten away with talking himself out of situations. People factor in the fact that he's a bit of a wild character. Now, in my opinion, that doesn't excuse lying, but he can get away with more than I think your average politician can. But to have this be a theme mm. that whenever something goes wrong, whenever wrongdoing is committed, the prime minister says he had no idea about it. And then we either through wallpaper gate find out, actually, sir, you've been sending WhatsApp messages and possibly through party gate, who knows what else will come out? What did the prime minister really know? It really whittles away trust over a two year period in which people have been sat at home. Many people not in a position to put really expensive wallpaper up who are just fighting for their jobs and their livelihoods. People who were losing loved ones when number 10 was having their rager. It really is going to great, I think, even with many of his loyal supporters. It's about how serious are these events combining together at the moment? Because you've had, obviously, headlines saying, you know, really trashing the prime minister today. But even people who are not sensationalists, like Paul Goodman of Conservative Home, have said now a no confidence vote is more likely than not. Is it really that threatening to Boris Johnson's premiership to have these things be happening right now? I think this is the worst storm so far for the Prime Minister. And I think the reason it is so serious is that it brings together a combination of his character flaws in terms of thinking he'll get away with things, in terms of taking his parliamentary party and I think the sort of the support of the wider electorate for granted and assuming that this will just be like the last time in that you know people will move on which was very much the assumption of number 10 when the first story of the Downing Street Christmas party broke last week and those things in themselves would be damaging but to be asking or expecting Conservative MPs to vote on measures which, as Kate has just outlined, they don't feel there is enough evidence for, they feel are fundamentally unconservative, they are concerned, are just a continuation of of not learning to live with COVID, which is, is what they'd expected and had been told by the Prime Minister that this country would be doing. 
by now. That's why it's so toxic. Now, Graham Brady is the chair of the 1922 committee, which represents conservative backbenchers. He is the person who the letters calling for a vote of no confidence go into. It's a lot of letters that he'd need, 60. And I don't think we're there yet. We've had around 20 MPs saying that they'll vote against the COVID restrictions next week, although that number is expected to rise. But Graham Brady is famously discreet and will not be going around giving people indications of the numbers he has. But I don't think that we're at the stage where there are enough letters going in, not least because don't forget that Theresa May, when she actually did have enough letters sent in calling for a vote of no confidence, she won that vote, even though she was... I think arguably in a much weaker position with her party because as well as everything else, they regarded her as a loser because she'd taken them into a snap election which she had lost the Conservative majority in. Now, at least the Conservatives in this instance still have their stonking majority, even if it feels in terms of parliamentary votes very hollow indeed at the moment. But I think this is the most serious point for Boris Johnson of his leadership so far. And I don't think it's going to get any easier. And Kate, looking ahead to the next couple of weeks before Christmas and just, you know, in January in general, how sustainable do you think the current Plan B rules are? Because they're not quite consistent, as people have been very keen to point out all over the place. And we've heard stories about Christmas parties being cancelled, you know, just just off office's own volitions. So is the government going to have to make them more consistent, make them make more sense in the run up to Christmas? I don't think the government wants to give any meaningful advice leading up to Christmas because the, well, the last thing they want is to be accused of cancelling Christmas yet again. That is such an important deadline for them to get past. So I think to be totally frank, they want the ambiguity right now, not least because goodness forbid they actually did try to crack down on parties and socializing. I mean, who in their right mind would turn around and say that they have authority to do that after the revelations from this week. But since you make a very important point and anecdotally, we're already seeing a lot of small business owners come out and say, this is really bad news. Plan B is going to hurt us badly, even if they're not subject to the vaccine passports, which if implemented, certainly on a wider scale, are thought to have a big hit on companies' profits. As you say, people are taking the advice and it's hitting confidence. It's hitting consumer and business confidence and people are canceling their reservations. They're canceling their Christmas parties and small businesses that were hoping to use Christmas this year to make up for Christmas last year and, you know, the almost two years we've had of this now are finding themselves in in a really difficult position. You're already starting to hear whispers, if not slight shouts of support no indication yet from the Treasury that that will be given. But to be honest, if it did, that would be almost a very bad sign for the winter. It would suggest that more restrictions are coming. My fear at this point is because they have ushered in Plan B with... It's not to say that there aren't concerns around Omicron. There definitely are. We don't know a lot. But they're suggesting that they have evidence that isn't showing up yet. The evidence they're saying they have, we're not seeing on the charts in this moment. So if they're going to spin that data in a way that suits their narrative... I worry how else they might spin that, especially if they do decide they want to crack down more if NHS capacity is is looking dicey and, and we know it very likely will, just given the winter strain. We are a double vaccinated, now also boosted country, one of the best in the world. We, we do have that huge difference this year that we didn't have last year. And if we're looking at plan B's 
and plan C's and, you know, a difficult winter ahead, it raises really big question marks as to what winters look like in the future. If this is the new normal and whether or not we can tolerate it, especially when we are only getting more evidence. And frankly, we've had a lot of evidence for some time that the senior officials in Whitehall and the ministers and the rest aren't following the same rules as the rest of us. Kate and Isabel, thanks very much. And Isabel, we'll let you go back to writing your evening blend newsletter, which listeners can subscribe to at spectator.co.uk forward slash blend to get basically, I mean, this podcast, but in a really accessible email format. (laughs) Thanks for listening and join us again tomorrow. 